You're listening to Subconscious Mind Mastery Podcast number 17. Let's roll. We're going to talk about the vortex today. Hi, my name is Thomas Miller. I live in Dallas, Texas, and this has been quite a week here in this part of the country. If you've heard the news, up in Moore, Oklahoma, which is a suburb of the city of Oklahoma City, had one of the worst tornadoes ever recorded this week. And I happened to be up there yesterday touring some of the damage. I was on my way back to the Metroplex from a business meeting, and I decided to go through and have a look for myself. And there are some incredible lessons that we can learn and discuss together today. So welcome aboard. If this is your first podcast and you happen to land on number 17, welcome. And if you've been here before, welcome back. Let's talk today about manifesting. I have some notes, but I also have the ADD side of my brain is hyperactive right now. There's a, there are a lot of thoughts running around in my mind about this topic. So I'm going to try to follow my outline and the points that I had laid out to talk about, but we might wander a little bit. So stay with me. If it sounds like, Thomas, would you get on a track and stay there? Well, just go with me on it. There might be something out there in the peripheries that you need to hear. Or that I need to hear myself. So we'll, we'll address both of those. Okay, look, we've heard a lot about the movie The Secret, The Law of Attraction, Esther Hicks and Abraham. We've, there's a, seems to be this dynamic over the last five or seven years emphasized, granted, by the movie The Secret that really electrified this whole conversation a lot. It's been there forever. I mean, you know that if you go back five or six thousand years and read any spiritual religious material, it's all there. Phrased differently, concepted differently, and certainly applied differently in our culture. But I do agree with old King Solomon from the Old Testament that there is nothing new under the sun, as he said in Ecclesiastes. So there's not some great new silver bullet that's been developed. It's all the same principle. The universe operates the same way. It always has operated the same way long before we were here, and it will long after we're gone. What's different is the hearing of it, the understanding of it. You know the saying, when the student is ready, the teacher arrives. When our ears are ready to hear something a certain way, it's expressed in a way that we can understand it. And so lately we've been hearing a lot about the law of attraction. Now, the law of attraction sounds really great because obviously then it it gives us the ability to focus our attention on something that we want to attract into our life and develop the tools around us to make it happen, to bring it into our life. Well, it's the same thing that we used to do in the in the church. It's called a prayer request, right? You're asking God, you're asking the universe to have something show up for you. Well, let's take it a little deeper. Isn't it the same thing as the team preparing for the big game and wanting to win the championship? It's the same thing. Or it's the corporation department who wants to win their quarterly sales goal. Or it's you wanting to get that job or attract that relationship into your life. It's all the same context. We human beings are designed to want to attract things into our life. The question is, and what all this material has been feeding us, are the means, the ways, the technologies, the techniques that allow us to best do that. And this, to me, is why I have chosen to focus on the subconscious mind, because there are so many techniques of how we can attract things into our life, how we can manifest things, how we can achieve the company goal, how we can win the game. There are a lot of techniques to support all of those, but there's one underlying principle or concept that became really clear to me, and that is that we have two sides to our human brain. We have the conscious side. That's the side that says, wear blue jeans instead of shorts. 
turn left instead of right, use a pen instead of a pencil, hard-boiled versus soft-boiled. That's our conscious brain. Then about a century or so ago, a guy by the name of Freud comes along and tells us that we have an unconscious side. And once we started to embrace that concept, then we started to write about that and explore that side of the concept. And so Napoleon Hill writes a book at the commission of Andrew Carnegie called Think and Grow Rich. So for those in the post-Depression, pre-World War II generation, that was their version of the movie The Secret. And it still is one of the most read self-help books ever. It should be in your library, and you should read it if you haven't already. Then a guy by the name of Joseph Murphy comes along in the early 60s and writes a book called The Power of Your Subconscious Mind. And followed not long after that by Maxwell Maltz in the late 60s with Psycho-Cybernetics. So now there's starting to be a library of this material coming along. And during that time also was Earl Nightingale and the Nightingale Conant Corporation got started in the 70s. And Warner Earhart came along and started the EST program, which is now Landmark Education. And so there was this collective acknowledgement, I guess is the best word, that this was for real. And now it was finally being taught in a non-religious yet quite spiritual way that you could understand it differently outside the context of the Bible and of church. When you put them side by side and really strip away the veneer, my opinion is they're very similar, as they should be. But for me, the difference was this. Over the course of five decades, where I was not focusing consciously on certain outcomes, but I knew that subconsciously the thoughts of those outcomes were in the back of my mind. Now, you might say, well, Thomas, that's conscious. It was in your mind. It was in your conscious mind. You just weren't choosing to focus on it. Okay, granted, got it, because we do impress our subconscious mind with the thoughts in our conscious mind. But the point is, I didn't have vision boards. I wasn't saying prayers to this effect. I wasn't creating affirmations. It wasn't top of mind. It wasn't in the vortex like we're going to talk about in a few minutes. These were those thoughts and things that were in the back of my mind that finally, over the course of time, fulfilled almost identically parallel to the way that I had them planted partially in my conscious mind, but mostly in my unconscious mind. And the other thing that happened almost parallel to this that really woke me up to the concept is that at the same time that I was realizing, oh, my gosh, all these things in the subconscious mind, these things that I had in the back of my mind did fulfill, I realized that a lot of the prayers that I was praying in my conscious mind did not fulfill. And I've been to a lot of prayer meetings where people would pray feverishly in their conscious mind Oh, dear Lord, dot, dot, dot. And they were great sounding prayers, but nothing happened. So I put two and two together and realized the conscious thinking that result that is called a prayer might look good in a prayer group, but it did nothing to move out here in the universe. But if you just keep quiet and focus on something, concentrate on something, press it on your subconscious mind, you don't have to go to a prayer group. It's going to happen. So I would revert myself back mostly to the acknowledgement of Joseph Murphy and the power of the subconscious mind that within us is a mental prowess, a mental capability, a mental capacity that connects our energy as a human being with the spiritual realm through our unconscious mind to bring about the universal fulfillment of those things that we have created in our subconscious mind, which is at the end of the day, energy created by thought. Wow. Do you want me to say that again? No, thank you. You have a rewind button. (laughs) 
that would be the best. Now would be the best time to use it. But everything that mobilizes our energy, that changes our bodies, that focuses our attention, that can go across the country or across the world and draw people together, all of that comes from the portal of that out of us into the spiritual realm is the subconscious mind. If you want, we could even call it the spiritual mind, or we could call it the energy brain. Now, I do think that there are some very key ways of how this works and how we can influence it. And I think that the most powerful and dramatic and impactful way that we influence our subconscious mind is through concentrated, very focused human thought. In the Bible, this would be called fervent prayer. Not just the toss-ups that we do in most gatherings today, but this is the person who pours their heart and their soul out to God. That's the kind of prayer that will get results. Napoleon Hill, when he studied those multimillionaire industrial giant men of the 1920s and 30s, concluded that when they concentrated their thoughts with the emotion of love or the passion of sex, then things started to happen in their worlds. Henry Ford was an uneducated man with a vision and a passion and a desire. He had the intensity of love. He had the passion of sex to build an automobile. And you really don't need to say anything else. Let's look at the world of sports. Tiger Woods. Do you remember when Tiger Woods won his first Masters and gave his dad that big bear hug at the end of the tournament? He was, what, he was 17, 18 years old, right? All he had up until that time was the focus of his father teaching him how to be a champion. His whole world was designed and built and focused on him becoming the best golfer in the world. And then he did. And then he started to be plagued by the success that comes with being the best golfer in the world. Sponsors started to knock on his door. And all of a sudden, he was distracted by business deals and a huge amount of money that he started to enjoy. And all of the distractions that comes with that being able to travel wherever he wanted to go and go to a certain event that he might want to participate in. And the women came along and all of the things, all the different distractions that will get your eye off of the goal. And what happened? Eventually, his life fell apart because he took it to about the extreme that he did in order to become the best golfer in the world. He became the best playboy in the world. Remember the universal law of polarity, and you don't have to look much farther than that. One of Tony Robbins' favorite stories is coaching Andre Agassi after he was in a big slump after winning so many championships in the world of tennis and how he coached Agassi to go back and remember what it was like when he was looking across that first net at Wimbledon and how he was going to win that tournament no matter what. Man, the other guy was toast. Why? Because Agassi had a way to harness that incredible focused energy to produce the championship win. And then often in the paradox of the law of polarity, once we are able to focus and concentrate so greatly like that, we also can unfocus equally greatly and we'll get off the goal. So while we're in the zone, while we're in the vortex, while we have that concentrated, highly focused thought on what we want to accomplish, it's often easy for the law of polarity to take effect and we will almost go the opposite direction. This happens so often in relationships. You work so hard to get somebody and then once you say, I do, it's almost like a different world. Well, it's because you let the guard down. I love what Zig Ziglar says on this topic about he, you know, he, he was married to his wife, Jean, the redhead for over 50 years. And he said he never until the day he died, he never stopped romancing her. Well, that's what it takes. 
if Tiger Woods could somehow have put blinders on and kept the number one focus as the number one focus, and that was his performance on the golf course, then all of that other stuff might never have happened. Steve Jobs at Apple was a master at keeping in the zone and keeping things on track. When he was in charge of Apple, whether it was in the early days or the latter days, he was such a source of energy. When he was removed, both the first time and now, the company has not been able to keep up. I said earlier that I was in Moore, Oklahoma yesterday. On May 21st, 2013, at about 2.45 in the afternoon local time, a Category 5 tornado touched down and stayed on the ground for 45 minutes. It cut about a two-mile-wide path, 11 miles long, through a residential area in the city of Moore, which is a southern suburb of Oklahoma City. Now, I happen to grow up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, just up the road from Oklahoma City, about 100 miles to the northeast. So how a tornado works is pretty familiar to me, and I've been to a lot of damage sites. But this one was amazing. It was on an almost west-to-east course, which normally tornadoes will travel southwest to northeast. And there was a little bit of that bent, but it was more east and west, cutting right through town. What mostly that area was were one-story homes that would have been three- and four-bedroom family homes, very much a neighborhood. Then you get up to Interstate 35, and there's a there was a medical center there and a shopping area and the typical retail-type things that you have along the sides of an interstate, and then back to neighborhood. And that's the stretch of the 11 miles, about two miles wide, that the tornado was on the ground, and damage was significant in that area. But as you look on the maps and as you look at the aerials, what you see is a wide band, about two miles wide, where damage occurred. And then about three-quarters of the way in, so on that outer two-thirds of the area, the winds were not that strong. They were probably 80 to 100 miles an hour. Now, that's going to cause damage to limbs and roofs and various things like that, but it's not going to turn a car over. And then for about another, let's say, 10 or 20 percent of that remaining area on either side, they called that a Category 2 tornado, meaning that the wind speeds were probably around 150 miles an hour. Let's say double what they were in that outer band. So as this thing comes through, and you know what they look like as they hit the ground, on the very outside edges, basically limbs, trees, roofs, that type of thing are being damaged. A little bit more toward the center, now we're starting to get into a roof might come off, a tree might be uprooted, a power pole could be bent over. So more substantial damage, definitely more impact. You don't want to be in the path of that. It's only going to be a little band width, not very wide. And then you know where I'm going, right in the middle. And as you look at the path of the Moore tornado, I saw on one map where they had a grayed out area where they said that was the Category 5 area. And when I saw the damage yesterday, that's exactly what happened. There's an intersection there where the Category 5 portion tore right through. And as you drive down, the, it's a main street, so they can't close it off. It's an access point back and forth through town. So you're driving through the damage. And as you drive through, that's exactly what you start to see. You start to see minor damage, more major damage, pretty substantial damage. Oh, my gosh. these Wow, I'm so sad to see this. And then you see absolutely gone. There, It's really scary to see a driveway and nothing, a yard with a bunch of debris in it. I mean, gone, flattened, the sheer intensity of Category 5. Our thoughts and prayers and emotions go out to the thousands of people in that community who are affected by this. And if you're listening to this in any kind of timely 
response fashion, I would definitely encourage you to consider the Red Cross or the Salvation Army or just one of the major charities. They are, they are all up there in operation. So if that touches your heart, it would be money well spent. But our thoughts are exactly the same way. When things start to happen and show up in our life, it's because, in the tornado analogy, we are in the Category 5 vortex. Our thoughts are aligned, we are focused, and the energy is tremendously powerful. We can bend metal and move mountains when we're in that zone. But using our analogy, the the good thing is there aren't that many Category 5 tornadoes that show up. But unfortunately, there aren't that many of us who stay in that Category 5 vortex of our thinking to make things happen in our lives. And as we move out a couple of blocks from the center of where all that damage occurred, in the parallel of our thinking, every now and then we get into a Category 3 zone. And that's when some pretty amazing things start to happen. We think, wow, this is really incredible. Sometimes, a little more often than the other two, we might get into that high wind category and we might stir up and throw some things around, but the big stuff isn't going to happen there. But unfortunately, for the rest of the time, the bulk of the time, we spend it like any other day in any other town, just going through life, taking things pretty much as they are, reacting instead of creating, responding instead of making things happen. And then if we're lucky, we wake up one day and, well, like... Bob Seger wrote in one of his songs, 20 years, where'd they go? I promise you, if you spend more time in the vortex, you would never have to ask that question. All right, let's boil this down. Let's give ourselves some things that we can take home and work on. Because one thing is absolutely true. What we focus our mind on over time will become a reality. If you have fears, they will manifest. If you have dreams and desires and goals, they will come about as well. It takes time, but the universe will pull you in that direction through the connection of your subconscious mind. How you program it makes all the difference in the world with how your life turns out. So, a couple of steps. Number one, obviously create in your mind what you want. As it begins to gel, write about it. Speak about it. Do affirmations. Write them with a dry erase marker. Not a permanent marker, people. A dry erase marker up on the bathroom mirror. Write them on your shower wall if you'd like. Do everything that you can to impress those conscious thoughts on your subconscious mind. Number two, release it to the universe to figure out. Oh, go back and review those images often. Refresh your mind. But from the context of having it. Already, not wanting it because want begets more want. Remember the emotion that you're in. If you want something, you're going to keep wanting something. If you have something, you're going to keep having something. Step number three, and I think this one is often overlooked, start taking steps in that direction and ask for guidance along the way. I told a group my story of the way that the year and the RV ended. If you haven't listened to these podcasts before, you'll hear that I spent a year uh, not traveling around so much, but just living out of an RV. It was by choice. It was something I've always kind of wanted to do. I wanted to see what it was about, and it was a great experience. It ended up letting me connect with myself in a way in a dimension that I never would have at all had I not done that. But I decided I would do it for a year. I committed to a year, and then I figured I'd reevaluate. At the end of the year, I wanted to move back into the Dallas-Fort Worth area. So I went through this exact process. I visualized in my mind exactly what I wanted in a place to live. 
I saw it in every detail. I saw what style it was. I saw what size it was. I saw where it was located geographically. I visualized every detail of what I wanted. I didn't do anything else. I didn't create pictures. I didn't create affirmations. I didn't do anything else except just picture in my mind what I wanted. And then, like we're talking about in this step, I started to take steps in that direction. So if you want a place to live, you start looking in that direction. Well, I started checking out various options in the geographic area that I knew I wanted to be in. Nothing. Zero, zip, nada, not even a hope of a chance. Well, all I did is I stayed with my goal. I knew what my objective was. I knew where I wanted to be. And I just kept looking. I kept looking in that area. But what I didn't do was resist. Oh, crap. I'm not going to find anything. I didn't go there. I just kept the vision and I stayed with it. And this is step number four in our little process. I got a little bit distracted and looked away just briefly. My son was finishing his senior year of high school and playing football, and they were in the championships. And it was in the context of a series of championship football games that I just kind of had the search for the new place to live a little bit on the second burner. But before I was on my way to one of his playoff games one Saturday afternoon, I glanced online and I saw this sublease and I noticed the address right where I wanted it to be. So I made arrangements after the game to stop by and take a look at the place. When I walked in, I knew that I was seeing the physical manifestation of every vision I'd held in my mind. And I went down and signed the lease immediately. So as the best I can summarize this for you, there is tremendous power in your subconscious mind. It is fueled and activated by the highly intense focused thoughts that you create, the energy that you create, that category five energy that you create in your mind. And think of the emotions of love and the passions of sex as you're thinking about the strength of those emotions. You know that when you are in love, you can't stand it. It consumes your thoughts, your emotions. You see the relationship. You see that other person in your life. And it just, it absolutely consumes you. That's Category 5. That's what Napoleon Hill is writing about, and that impresses the subconscious mind faster than anything else, except also the passion of sex. And you know how that is. You've got to have it, and you've got to have it now. Clothes are flying. You are not thinking about anything else, much less anything rational, until that desire is satisfied. But really, how often do we focus on things that we say we want in our life, but we don't focus on them with that intensity of early passionate love? We don't hold that feeling of early passionate love, and we don't go after it with that ravenous desire of sex. And that's why we often stay outside the bandwidth of the Category 5 portion of the tornado, of the vortex. Create it in your mind, write about it, think about it, image it, impress it with intense emotion on your subconscious mind, start to take steps in that direction, keep taking steps in that direction, even if it doesn't show up immediately, and somehow, if you can, just get a little bit distracted. Look away. Our job is to create and then move our feet. The universe will take care of the rest. The ultimate end-of-the-line, consistent thing that you can always take to the bank is that what you set your mind on over time and is always there on your mind will eventually manifest in your life. And from that, just go have fun. And that's why I always close these by saying, enjoy the journey.
I'm Thomas Miller. Thank you for listening. The opinions on this podcast are those of the host based on personal experience only and are not intended as medical or psychological advice. If you are experiencing symptoms that require professional treatment, please contact a licensed medical practitioner. The stories and opinions expressed on this podcast are independently those of the host and guests and are not intended to be taken as medical advice or to replace medical care from a licensed professional when appropriate.